Matthew chapter 1 and verse 1, it starts. There's 42 generations that are listed. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac begat Jacob. And this is about the time when we all check out. Hang with me just for a minute. Are you ready? Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac begat Jacob, and Jacob begat Judas and his brethren, and Judas begat Pharaoh and Zerah of Tamar. And Pharaoh begat Esram, and Esram begat Aram, and Aram begat Aminadab, and Aminadab begat Nason, and Nason begat Solomon, and Solomon begat Boaz of Rahab, and Boaz begat Obed of Ruth, and Obed begat Jesse, and it continues. I won't carry on. I've already said enough. We'll come back to it in just a few moments. But I want to talk tonight about the power of your breakthrough. Anyone know you need a breakthrough? I need a breakthrough in my life. I need a breakthrough in my family. I'll just declare it on your behalf. We need a breakthrough in our church. Not just because it's this particular service or this particular season, but let me remind you, I, I know that you're looking for a breakthrough every service that we show up in. And sometimes that dynamic occurs where the Holy Ghost begins to move and we connect. The wave, the wind of the Spirit begins to blow. We put up the sail and all of a sudden we catch the wind and we move into that Holy Ghost realm. God's wanting to talk to us tonight and I believe He's wanting to help us if we'll open our heart. Breakthrough's right there. Would you pray with me, Father? Come on, the Holy Ghost is right here, right now. Someone just let God work. God, your desire is for transformation to occur in somebody's heart and in somebody's life tonight. God, that's your desire. That's why you show up. You patiently wait for some person to turn, redirect, reorder, revive their life. And that is why you're in the room tonight. Invite us by the power of your spirit to come. And God, when you issue that command, there isn't anything in hell that can stand in our way. God, there isn't anything in hell that can arrest our advance when you call us to come closer. So God, let us hear the wind of the spirit. Let us hear the voice of the spirit. Let us hear the call of the spirit in this room tonight. God, silence the voices around us until we hear you alone, I pray. In your name we ask. Someone declare his name. In Jesus' name we pray. You may be seated tonight. Thank you for being with us. It's such a privilege to look out and see guests with us. We're honored that we have guests with us tonight. Would you welcome all of our guests? So thankful that you're all here. <clears throat> Stories of twins do catch my attention because I am one. My mom didn't know that she was having twins until the very day that we were born. As a matter of fact, she went to the doctor because she felt like she was in labor. And they told her that there was a, a needle that she could get that would slow the process down until the birth that was pending would be given more time. And so she went into the hospital to receive this needle. My dad was waiting in the waiting room and... The doctor came out and found my father, Victor Lehman, are you here? He said, Dad said, yeah, I'm here. He said, Victor, you're the father of a baby boy. 
And dad said, no, you got the wrong guy. My wife's just in here getting a needle. So that we don't have a baby yet. He said, well, let me go check. He came back and found dad the second time. He said, Victor, you are the father of a baby boy and a baby girl. And dad said, now I know you got the wrong guy. But nevertheless, Dr. Lord was there. I think he was the one that talked to dad. I'm not certain. I called my mom this afternoon to verify the story. I am one half of a pair of twins. And so twins catch my attention. So it doesn't take uh, only but a few chapters to get into the Bible where you find stories of twins. There are two pair of twins in the book of Genesis. We tend to only hear about the first pair. Jacob and Esau are the poster boys for Genesis, the smooth-talking deceiver who becomes the father of Israelites and his hairy brother who sold his birthright for a bowl of pottage. Most of us know all about them. However, there's another pair of twins. you find them in Genesis chapter 38, and their names are Perez and Zerah. They're less popular. They've only got a few friends on Facebook. Matthew gives them a shout out in chapter 1. We just read it and many of you just passed over it. Yet in many ways they exclaim the Bible story more clean, keenly than most other siblings do in scripture. There's a lot of good reasons that Genesis 38 doesn't make the storybook list. They didn't make Kids Own with Andy the Ape yet. They don't make PPH Sunday School Quarterly. They likely don't make it to the real McCoy selection round, Pastor Matt. They're just kind of stuck there in the end of Genesis chapter 38, but there's a powerful lesson tucked away, and too often in this touchy chapter when you're just hurrying your way through, if you pass over them as you're plodding along on your bread reading program, you'll miss the principle. Buckle your seatbelt. Stay with me. The twins are born to Judah and Tamar. The product of an illicit relationship between a father and his daughter-in-law. And if you think it's all Judah's fault, Tamar isn't Lily White either. She dressed like a prostitute to seduce her father-in-law. That's thankfully another story that's omitted from the kids' books and the sermon tonight. But if you remember with me, it's Judah's tribe that will birth the tribe of kings. So it isn't a minor detail about what happens in his lineage. It was Jacob's prophecy over his son that sets the stage for us. It's a prophecy that happened in the future, but it indicates everything of importance that happens in Judah's life. Judah, remember, his name means praise. Genesis chapter 30, 49 and verse 8 says, Judah, when his father was speaking over him, he said, Judah, thou art he whom thy brothers shall praise. Thy hand shall be in the neck of thine enemies. Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. Judah is a lion's whelp from the prey. My son, thou art gone up. He stooped down. He couched as a lion and as an old lion. Who shall rouse him up? 
Here we go. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come. And unto him shall the gathering of the people be. There was prophetic promise attached to Judah's life. Judah was a person of power. And Judah was a person of authority. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come, until the Messiah comes. And there in that book of Genesis is the promise that a Messiah would come through Judah's offspring that the hope of humanity lies with that one man with the name Judah attached so what happens in Judah's life impacts us all we may as well branch off here just for a moment and praise that's in my notes because I thought it might get a little quiet right about now and I I think I was right. But let me just remind us of where we were just a moment ago. Your praise is the progenitor of promise in your life. Your praise precedes promise in your life. Your praise opens the door to promise in your life. Your praise prepares promise in your life. Your praise is that thing that happens on your behalf that begins to work on God's behalf. So I wish we just... Come on, let's just pause for one more moment and go back to where we were just a minute ago because God's not finished what he began. God's about to perform the miraculous. We just need to step out by faith and receive it tonight. Oh, we may as well just stand for a minute. I don't have a long way to go in this sermon before we're all finished, but God's got a long way to go with some of us, and he can do it in just a moment if praise becomes our priority tonight. God, we come to praise you. We come to exalt you. Oh, clap your hands, all ye people. But don't stop there. Somebody shout because your shouts bring in promise. Your shouts unlocking the door. Your shouts breaking through in that barrier. In the name of Jesus. Come on, would you just let a hallelujah out? Just let a hallelujah out one more time. We may as well just make it three times, three strikes, and the enemy's out. Hallelujah. I say yes, Jesus. I say yes, Jesus. You may be seated tonight. Praise is powerful. Probably the most powerful sermon we've all been a part of this week. Didn't happen from the pulpit. It happened from this front pew right here. It was during a funeral. I watched as Greg stood and worshipped at Christ's funeral. If anybody had the right to say a time of mourning, a time to pause, a time to reflect, it would have been him. But as the presence of God moved in this room, I watched as he stood to his feet and he worshiped God. I, I can't preach a better sermon than what was exemplified here. And I'm not trying to, I'm, I'm not trying to move somebody emotionally tonight. I, I just want to make a declaration like Job did. When he lost everything, it said that he worshiped God. It wasn't the time for Job to turn his back, turn his, come on, turn his mind away from God. It was the moment that Job said, I'm 
going to worship God in the midst of this season. Prayer does something powerful in this place. Prayer does something powerful. There wasn't a dry eye in the room. The most power. Come on. That's the power of your praise. Praise is that powerful. Thou art holy, O thou that inhabits the praise of Israel. Judah, praise is a powerful thing. And Judah was this picture of what God could do through praise. Praise in the midst of imperfect circumstances. Praise in the midst of failure and trouble. Oh, you need to hear that tonight. Praise when things aren't going perfectly and in order we we wait till we get everything in order before we bring our praise to God God said no just come that's how you come none of us are coming perfect can I remind you none of us are coming with it all together we've got our Sunday best on as a matter of fact I, I got rid of my tie tonight it was just bothering me is that all right I just got sick of adjusting it. I got sick of trying to straighten it. I got sick of trying to keep it all together finally I just folded up through it in Kathy's purse there done with that We don't have it all together. We all come without our perfect attire. We all come without our perfect selves. But God says, come with your praise. Come into my presence with your praise and watch what happens. Praise is powerful. So I wish one more, we won't make you stand, but one more time, would you just offer your praise to God because he inhabits it. Come on, I, I know it's I know it's uncomfortable. I, I'm just telling you that I don't march around the house storming and screaming or my lungs out, typically. This isn't really me. Most days of the week. But the importance of us getting into that area of breakthrough is such a priority that the Holy Ghost pushes us out of our comfort zone. It pushes us past that place where, where we just kind of, let's just, let's just go, let's just keep everybody comfortable. I'm so far out walking the plank with somebody he's like, because I tell you, I, I'm, I'm nervous. I'm a little bit worried that the few months that we spent at home, because I wasn't, I'm going to be honest, I wasn't standing on top of the couch hollering when pastor was preaching. I didn't do a Jericho through the living room, the kitchen, and back through. We didn't do seven laps until the walls fell down. We weren't doing it. It got a little quiet for a little too long. And I, and I, I find that I, I've got to get... I got to get back and I, that, that idea about we are a part of the culture that create came to me while we were sitting here tonight and, and pastor was encouraging us to worship and pastor was propelling us into that place where God's presence begins to move and, and I'm there but, but God just kind of said you, you get to be a part of the culture that you create. Can I just remind us uh, who moved my church? Who moved our church? I just want to make sure we're all the same people that were here in January and February. I just want to make sure that we didn't miss somewhere along the way. I just want to make sure that we're not missing the mark. Yeah. Anybody here got a praise on your lips? Anybody here got a shout? 
because he inhabits the praise of his people. And I'm grateful for you, you, you being in the room. But if we can get God in the room, watch what happens. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's what we're looking for right there. You say, oh, yeah, that's just emotionalism, Pastor. You just kind of stirred it up. You got it all cranked. No, no, no. I'll tell you what that is. That's the cry of a heart saying, God, we need a breakthrough. I prayed about it in the office this afternoon. I said, God, we need a breakthrough in our service. We need a breakthrough in our minds. We need a breakthrough in our heart. We need a breakthrough in the supernatural. I need a breakthrough. platform so I can move around a little bit so I, I'll praise on your behalf if you can't move because you're kind of stuck in place anybody got to say pastor Jack would you do this little jump for me would you do a shout for me I'll jump for you I'll dance for you Praise is powerful. Praise is powerful. Praise is power. Just keep praising right through the sermon. Keep praising right through the preaching. So we already know that of the five sons of Judah, God takes the first two sons for their wickedness and disobedience. One son remains. He's obscure in scripture, but... The story continues. Tamar becomes pregnant with the twins that we read about. In Genesis 38, we're given the summary of what happens. It says, and it came to pass in the time of her travail that, behold, twins were in her womb. And it came to pass when she travailed that the one put out his hand and the midwife took and bound upon his hand a scarlet thread saying, this came out first. And it came to pass as he drew back his hand that, behold, his brother came out. And she said, how hast thou broken forth? Something happened in the birthing room that the midwife didn't understand. She probably had never seen anything like it before. You know, twins were rare, but this rarer still that one had already came down the birthing canal and put his arm out and then came back and in the midst of that exchange another son broke through she said this breach be upon thee and therefore his name was called Perez, or Perez and afterward came out his brother that had the scarlet thread on his hand and his name was called Zerah so here during the childbirth let's just get a picture here one brother's hand emerges and a scarlet cord is tied around his wrist to confirm that he is the heir. But when he withdraws his hand, his brother barges past him. I, I, I don't know. I, I can't remember the womb. But I tell people, I've, I've been sharing my whole life. I shared the womb with my sister. 
Then we shared a room when we were just little, little kids. I had to share. There wasn't enough for two. Remember, my, my parents didn't even know they were having twins. So there was war in the womb. But the victorious one was the one that broke through. The breakthrough. The breakout. The break forth. The breach. The ability to go past the obstacle. The ability to fight past everything else in his way was why Perez was named the one of the breakthrough. The problem is, is that we live in a world, it was Zara, his name means dawn or rising. High place. Position. The world looks for a Zara. They want a king who rises up and shines like the dawn. They want a firstborn with the mark of royalty around his fist. They want position. They want popularity. They want prominence. They want preeminence. The higher they can climb on the ladder, the greater the rising, the better. But it wasn't Zara that God chose. God chooses Perez, the boy of the breach. He's the child of the breakthrough. He wants the kind of person that we would never pick. The younger, the weaker, the one without the obvious sign of ability or authority. But it's the one that triumphs because he knows that God is on his side. This is the plot line of scripture and this is why these twins represent so much of what God is to us and for us. Again and again, the rising looks impressive to us in scripture, but it loses out to the breakthrough. The breakthrough that doesn't look so prominent. The breakthrough that doesn't look so powerful. But before you know it, God has worked on their behalf and something miraculous happens. It's the weakness that God chooses to yield strength to. It's the empty pot of oil. It's the impossibility. Human power builds the Tower of Babel and it comes to nothing, yet God uses Noah to build an ark that saves humanity. It's the paradox. It doesn't make sense. It's all of humanity versus one man, but it's the one man that God says, I'll use him. It's older brothers like Cain and Ishmael and Esau and Reuben that fall and fail. But it's younger brothers, the unexpected, Seth, Isaac, Jacob, and Judah, that receive the inheritance and the promise and the prophetic attached to their life. It's natural ability of humanity that ends up leading nowhere, but it's the promises that come through barren wombs of women who wait for a breakthrough. Have you ever just stopped and paused and thought about how God used the barren wombs of women in Scripture? It's Abraham with Sarah. It's Isaac and Rebekah. It's Jacob and Rachel. Abraham, 
Isaac and Jacob all struggled with the impossibility of a barren womb. But when God showed up, he said, that's the, that's the area that I work the best in because that's the area where we can have a breakthrough. Before, it was just human effort, human ingenuity, human ability. But now, we're relying totally on God. Now, we're dependent completely on him. Now, we can't look to the left and we can't look to the right. We've only got to elevate our gaze to God and say, God, we need you. And in our story, it was the hopeless, husbandless Tamar, left forgotten by her family, who forges herself into history. In the life of David, there are impressive rising people everywhere. There are Zeras everywhere. There's the seven older sons of Jesse who look impressive and everybody assumes one of them is going to be anointed king, but they aren't. The prophet moves down the line to the youngest and David's anointed. King Saul was in the life of David. He was his era. He rose head and shoulders above everybody else, but God didn't pick him. It was Goliath who rose nine foot tall and grasps. Come on, he just kind of gets a hold of Israel and brings them full of fear. Some of what we're fighting now. We may as well name it. Come on, it's a, it's a giant. It's a fear. We may as well claim it. But I, I'm telling you that God is looking for a David that says, we're going to break through. Come on, we, we got a giant on the horizon. Anybody ready to swing the sling? Anybody ready to watch the giant fall? Anybody ready to let Goliath? I'm not saying that we're going to disregard anything. Don't get me wrong and don't misquote me. But I'm telling you that we can't let lives be ruled by fear. Fear and faith are opposite ends of the spiritual spectrum. And we're either going to walk by faith or we're not. We're either going to allow God to lead us by faith or we're not. So we need a David to say, come on, I don't have anything. But the name of the Lord... That's what I'm coming with. And I promise the giant will fall. The Philistine is defeated in 2 Samuel chapter 5 and verse 20. Sorry, the Philistine is defeated. David also defeats Philistines in 2 Samuel chapter 5 and verse 20 said that David came to Baal Perizim. Does that name sound familiar? Perez, Perizim. And David smote them there and said, The Lord hath broken forth. There was a breakthrough upon mine enemies before me as the breach of waters. Therefore, he called the name of that place Baal Perizim. A breakthrough. David recognized that the victory wasn't won by might. It wasn't won by Natural power, natural ability. David said, let me tell you where the victory came from. The victory came from God. Come on, the victory, the breakthrough. The breakthrough that happened against the enemy. The breakthrough that happened with the Philistines happened when he began to give the glory to God. When he began to release the authority through God against the enemy. Can I just remind us that we've got the same privilege, that we've got the same responsibility. There's a world waiting for a church to rise up. Israel's waiting in the sidelines. People are waiting, scared, cowering in fear in the caves, in the cliffs. But God's looking for a David to say, get ready because the church Ryan is going to fall. 
We need a bell parasim in our society today. We need a breakthrough. Anybody ready for it? <laughs> Come on, I, f I feel there, there's just that wave of the Holy Ghost that's rising in the room. We can come back to the music, but don't stop right there. Just let that, come on, let your praise begin to rise. Come on, there's a breakthrough. There's a breakthrough. Someone, you, you're sensing it for the first time in a long time. You just need to let it happen. Come on, breakthrough. Come on, the anointing doesn't just break yoke. It destroys yokes. That's what God's wanting to do. And he's, he's wanting there to be a supernatural breakthrough. Out of the 42 generations listed in Matthew chapter 1, there's one exception in the genealogy. Remember, these, we started to read them and then trailed off around verse 5. These were not single son families. Yet only one time, one time, someone say one. Does Matthew make the distinction that in one of these fathers and sons, he names a brother? Matthew's genealogy only names one person who is not the ancestor of Jesus, and that's Zerah. In this story of Pharaoh's, Perez, and Zerah. Family trees don't work this way. That, that's not how it works. There's no Ishmael in the genealogy. There's no Esau, no Reuben, no Levi, no Ephraim. But Matthew feels compelled to record that Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Matthew 1, verse 3. Why? Because Jesus is a Perez rather than a Zerah. He doesn't have the obvious sign of royalty on his fist. He doesn't rise taller than everyone else. He, he wasn't even conceived through human effort, only through the Spirit of the Lord as the Holy Ghost overshadowed Mary. And how many know that shadows in this room tonight? The Holy Ghost is here to touch, to minister, to help, to break through. He's still the God of the breakthrough. But Matthew included both these men in this breakthrough, rising in the genealogy because Jesus was both. Jesus was both the rising that Zerah was and the breakthrough that Perez was. In Malachi chapter four and verse two it says, but unto you that fear my name shall the son of righteousness, what? Rise 
with healing in his wings and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves in the stall that, that he's going to arise and there's going to be healing in his wings. So yes, he fits the description of Zerah. There is a rising in this King of Kings and this Lord of Lords. He was going to start from the bottom and go all the way to the top. He was going to start at the bottom and move to the preeminence. He's going to start in a lowly stable and end up on the King's throne. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's who he is. But not only that, he was the God of the breakthrough. Isaiah chapter 58 and verse 8 says, Then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thine health shall spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be thy re-reward. The light is going to break forth. There's going to be a breakthrough that happens through the power of the Spirit. There's going to be something that breaks through. And then Isaiah went on to say that God's going to be in front of you. He's going to be around you. He's going to be behind you. He's going to be the re-reward. God is going to completely encompass your life. And breakthrough is yours because why? That's who He is. He's still the God of the breakthrough. I'm grateful for people in the building tonight. Thank God. So my push isn't a pushback. It's just moving into the place that God is taking us. I'll remind you, God, God's not taken by surprise. COVID didn't catch God off guard. We have to remind ourselves because we're all reacting and we're all responding and God's saying just like I planned it just like I planned it just just like I planned it just like I ordered it just the way I expected just the way I anticipated God's not caught off guard by COVID God knows it. And pastor preached about it this morning. This generation that's here in this season, in this time. Why? Because God said, I, I, I know who I need. I know the ones that I, I, I need. I know the ones that are going to press and the ones that are going to push. I know the ones that are going to press for a breakthrough. I, I'm looking for someone to be a David. I'm looking for someone that's willing to be a press. I'm looking for someone that will press and break through. And that's this generation standing together with me. So I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the people in the building. I'm grateful for faithfulness and giving. I'm thankful for music and ministry continuing. I, I'm glad that we're all here tonight. I'm glad that we've got online. And I'm glad that we're ministering locally and regionally and globally. I'm, I'm grateful for all of that. Don't get me wrong. Don't misquote me. And we're all here tonight. Beautiful summer sunny day and look around here we are in church yeah that's that's right so none of this is coming I know where we are I know who's here I get it but there's still something stirring that God is saying come on challenge the people to break through Challenge the people to take the next step. Challenge the people to go a little further. Challenge the people for end time revival. And that's when it starts to sound like. 
looking we are someone say we are we're looking for a breakthrough we're waiting for prayer meetings that turn into upper rooms with mighty rushing winds and cloven tongues like as a fire breakthrough we're waiting for Peter's to say silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth rise up and walk and they go and their ankle bones receive strength and they leap up and they stand up someone say breakthrough we're looking for and at midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God and the prisoners heard them and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's band was loose with someone just shout breakthrough we're looking for act 16 God wrought special miracles by the hand of Paul so that from him his body were brought into the sick handkerchiefs or aprons and the diseases whew, departed from them breakthrough that's breakthrough territory that's the environment that God says in time apostolic church is gonna look like acts so get ready for it get ready for a breakthrough get ready acts. get ready don't worry I'll keep my distance but would someone just keep the praise going for a moment tell you what are, are you guys in a bubble okay how we do this just stand right there in a line are you sure you're in a bubble did you all hear that let me take you back to preschool anybody remember Red Rover Red Rover someone did Okay, now we have to keep this. Okay, hands on each other's shoulder. All the way there. Now, how many remember Red Rover? Red? Now, I know they're supposed to hold hands, but I think we'll just keep it as COVID-friendly as possible. I'm not mocking. I'm, I'm serious. Okay. Now, they would say we'd have another line, something like them, big, strong, tough guys in preschool. From what I understand, Brandon, did you play this on the playground? You did? did do you play it now? Because I heard it was... Not, oh, sorry. Brandon works at a daycare. And your boss is here? And his boss is here. So he doesn't play this in preschool or after school. But we used to. And everybody remember what the challenge was? Be another line, something like that, and they say, Red Rover, Red Rover. Send Justin right over. Okay, now just don't run because I'm standing on the edge of the stage. 
like father, like son. But then some would take off running. 6.7 miles per hour. 36 and a half pounds. Thanks, guys. Can I tell you the Holy Ghost? Come on, the Holy Ghost has got it all lined up. And he say, okay, I got the church over here. I got opposition and enemy over here. And all God is saying, I'm just looking for someone. And he volunteers to break the chain. Red Rover, Red Rover, send Jack right off. Red Rover, Red Rover, send Kathy. Red Rover, Red Rover, send yeah, I wish you'd shout your name. Red Rover, Red Rover, sin. Anybody ready? I don't know if you hear it or not, but I, I hear it in the Holy Ghost. Get ready. Come on, send them over. Send them. Come on, the team will be cheering on. Run, Jackie, run. run 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 to the enemy run defeated run victory run triumph run breakthrough come on clap I'm finished just add a little shout because it terrifies the enemy we used to sing it we got the devil on the run now we got the devil on the run I just need someone to say ah there he goes I've seen I have seen the downfall of Satan I read the back of the book we win mighty through God to the pulling down a stronghold victorious triumphant we win! Come on, just let it go. Ready to sing? Come on, you ready to sing? Let it echo in the halls of hell. You ready? Heartbreak. 